This is Barry Zalma, Zalma on Insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant and expert witness and author and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to speak about the notice prejudice rule when used to interpret insurance policies. The usually uncomplicated, easy-to-read phrase, late notice, has become a target of courts that change clear and unambiguous to a situation of confusion and doubt. The timely notice of claims is generally an express requirement of an insurance policy and is fundamental to the efficient and predictable administration of claims. The modern trend by U.S. courts and legislatures has been to diminish late notice as a defense to coverage. Specifically, numerous U.S. jurisdictions have moved away from strict enforcement of the requirement of timely notice, that is, failure to notify timely constitutes a forfeiture of coverage, to one that requires a showing of harm to the insurer before coverage is lost. Called the notice prejudice rule, the basic premise is that unless the insurer has been prejudiced by an insured's late notice, coverage will not be forfeited. Recent litigation and legislation from around the country has taken the teeth out of the defense and makes its viability uncertain, although some courts will use common sense when dealing with the notice prejudice rule. And insured with both primary and excess coverages, as a general practice, should report to the excess insurer any loss where at least half of the primary limit is exposed by a third-party claim. Failure to do so can be exceedingly expensive and defeat the wisdom of buying excess insurance. For example, in landmark American Insurance versus Deerfield Construction, a 2019 decision of the Seventh Circuit, Deerfield had a primary commercial automobile insurance policy through American Insurance Company that covered it for up to $1 million in liability. Deerfield's broker, Gallagher, also helped Deerfield obtain an excess insurance policy from Landmark that was designed to kick in after Deerfield's liability exceeded $1 million. After an accident by a man named Graff, Deerfield informed American and Gallagher. No one, however, notified Landmark even after Graf was sued and Deerfield was sued. American assumed the defense and hired an attorney named Olmstead. American never offered the full policy value to settle the suit. In 2014, before trial, Landmark learned about Keeping's lawsuit. Its claims adjuster evaluated the case at five hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. 
before trial, Landmark was receiving regular updates as a passive bystander. Before the verdict was announced, American assumed that the jury had sided with the defense and did not resume settlement negotiations. Deerfield did not know about the negotiations, although Olmsted was involved. Landmark knew and advised that Americans should settle within the primary policy limit. The jury reached a verdict that remitted to $2.3 million. After the verdict, Landmark sought a declaratory judgment that it did not have to cover the loss. Summary judgment was granted for Landmark, holding that Deerfield's notice was unreasonably late as a matter of law, and of course they appealed to the Seventh Circuit. American states relied entirely on its own evaluation of Keeping's lawsuit, which it thought lacked any merit. Throughout five years of pretrial proceedings, it never offered the full $1 million value of its policy to settle the suit. Indeed, it was not until the trial was almost over and jury deliberations began that it even came close. In April 2013, more than a year before trial, Keeping made a $1.25 million demand to settle the lawsuit. This demand was high enough to trigger Deerfield's excess insurance coverage, but still no one notified Landmark about the pending case. Instead, the primary insurer counter-offered $75,000, thereby offending the plaintiff. The district court granted summary judgment for Landmark, holding that Deerfield's notice was unreasonably late as a matter of law. Under Illinois law, whether an insured's notice to its insurer was timely is determined by the totality of the circumstances. The Supreme Court of Illinois has identified five dispositive factors to aid in this type of inquiry. One, the specific language of the policy's notice provision. Two, the insured sophistication in commerce and insurance matters. Three, the insured's awareness of an event that may trigger insurance coverage. Four, the insured's diligence in ascertaining whether policy coverage is available and five, prejudice to the insurer. It's a case called West American versus Yorkville, a 2010 decision of the Illinois Supreme Court. The language of Landmark's policy states the insured must give prompt notice. Illinois courts consider whether the insurer was prejudiced by the insured's late notice. The Supreme Court of Illinois has stated multiple times that the presence or absence of prejudice to the insurer is one factor to consider when determining whether a policyholder has fulfilled any policy condition requiring reasonable notice. While the lack of prejudice does not 
doom an insurer's case. It is, and always will be in Illinois, a relevant consideration. Landmark learned about the underlying suit so late in the game that many potential steps were no longer possible. When considering the totality of the circumstances, at some point the court concluded that common sense comes into play. Landmark did not receive notice until seven years after Graf and Keeping's accident. This was not a case of a slowly developing tort where the parties could identify the genesis of the injury only years after the harmful activity occurred. This was an automobile accident. Deerfield could have emailed, mailed a letter, or perhaps just called Landmark to tell it about the accident as soon as it occurred, just as it did for American states. Or it could have taken any of those steps when it was served with Keeping's lawsuit. But it did not. The Seventh Circuit found it irresistible that Deerfield's notice was untimely and unreasonable as a matter of law. The tasks that Gallagher performed for Landmark, such as sending bills and collecting payments, fall into the bucket of traditional brokerage activities. Indeed, Andrew Hewlett, who helped Deerfield get the landmark policy, called this set up the industry standard. Deerfield's negligence claim against Gallagher similarly failed. Deerfield has identified no Illinois cases establishing that insurance brokers have a duty to deliver notice of claims on behalf of an insured, and so its negligence claim against the broker failed. Some cases were not close, and to the Seventh Circuit, this is one of them. Waiting five to seven years before telling an insurance company that its policy may be implicated in a suit is too long. This is a case where the primary insurer failed in its obligation to its insured and the excess insurer. By failing to advise the excess of its exposure was perhaps due to its evaluation of the plaintiff's case was not viable. It was probably surprised by the $2.3 million verdict and tried to make the extra $1.3 million become the obligation of the excess. It failed because five to seven years is just too late. Both the primary insurer and the defense counsel should have advised Landmark. Why they did not is understandable if they truly believe there was no excess exposure. Landmark did not receive the notice it had bargained for, and the full policy limit became the obligation of the primary and the insured. For decades, New York law applied the late-notice defense in a draconian fashion, where an insurance policy required the insured to notify the insurer of an occurrence as soon as practicable, the absence of timely notice constituted a failure to comply with a condition precedent which, as a matter of law, vitiated the contract. 
The burden was placed on the insured to show that the delay was not unreasonable, meaning that there was a reasonable excuse for the delay, and delays of less than 10 months, and even as short as 29 days, were routinely found to be unreasonable as a matter of law. The long-standing common law tradition was changed by legislation prohibiting liability insurers from denying coverage based on the policyholder's failure to provide timely notice unless the insurer was prejudiced by the late notice. Effective January 17, 2009, Insurance Law 3420 required insurance companies to show prejudice as a condition to denying coverage based on late notice of a claim if notice is provided within two years of the time it was due. If notice is provided more than two years after it was due, then the insured must show a lack of prejudice. Under the notice prejudice rule, an insurance company may not deny an insured's claim under an occurrence policy based on lack of timely notice or proof of claim unless it can show actual prejudice for the delay. The rule is based on the rationale that the primary and essential part of the contract is insurance coverage, not the procedure for determining liability, and that the notice requirement serves to protect insurers from prejudice, not to shield them from their contractual obligations through what a court would call a technical escape hatch, as it did in Carrington Estate versus Reliance Standard, a Ninth Circuit decision in 2002. The burden of establishing prejudice is on the insurance company, and prejudice is not presumed by delay alone. For example, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeal in Old Republic Insurance versus Underwriters Safety and Claims, Inc., a 2009 decision, predicted that the Kentucky Supreme Court would extend the notice prejudice rule to the excess liability context and instructed the district court to reconsider whether a reasonable trier of fact could conclude that with timely notice there is a reasonable probability that the excess carrier would have achieved more favorable resolution of the underlying claim. The notice prejudice rule has been accepted by most states in the United States and applies to all occurrence-based policies. However, Insurers are more and more relying on claims-made policies, which require a claim to be made and reported to the insurer within the period of coverage, and failure to do so violates the contract and allows the insurer to reject any coverage regardless of whether it was prejudiced by the delay or not, since the contract language requires the claim to be made against the insured and reported to the insurer within the limitation 
of the policy language. This video was adapted from my book, Zalma on Insurance Claims, Part 105, Second Edition, which is available from Amazon.com as both a Kindle book and a paperback, and is part of the 10-volume work, Zalma on Insurance Claims. The Notice Prejudice Rule is discussed in much greater detail in the book than in this video. If you found the video to be useful, or at least of interest to yourself, please refer it to your colleagues. It's free. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and my blog so that you can learn about future blog posts and future videos. Thank you for your attention.